Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique wellbeing solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Janice Isaman. Janice has a huge passion for serving and minding others through her work as a Pilates teacher, a yin yoga teacher, a movement coach, nutrition and health coach, a writer, and the founder of My Body Couture. So Janice, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Fantastic introduction. Not at all. You're welcome. Well-deserved. Well, Janice, can you start off by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to here? Well, I think I would start at the end, actually. So I, I, it's called My Body Couture. I work one-on-one with people and I create solutions for people who have pain in their body. And ultimately do that is because I have had that experience and I couldn't find the help that I at the time when I needed it. And so like a lot of business owners, especially in the health space, it's a combination of curation and creating the kind of solution that maybe wasn't available when we ourselves were looking for it or going through the hardship. So my story really began, I was a university student and I, I wasn't very athletic as a kid and that I, I like to include that fact because it often really takes people because I'm a movement specialist by profession and by trade. And so along with that comes the idea that everybody who works in the movement, yoga, Pilates, fitness spaces is naturally athletic and gifted at our bodies and movement and maybe passion. And that wasn't the case for me. So I went from being a relatively non-athletic, and when I say relatively, I was a really non-athletic and teenager, I was really artistic and I sang and I did music and things like that. And when I went to university, um, I decided to take a running course. And it was the kind of running coach course that was r- run by people other than peer to peer running. And there's, you know, that it had great community, great motivation, but we just didn't really cover a lot of or injuries or things like that. So I ended up with a condition called runner's knee. And a lot of people that I've subsequently worked with are really familiar with get a lot of pain at your knee. It hurts to sit. It hurts to stand. It hurts to walk. It hurts to run. Um, 18 or 19. And I remember having to hang on to the railing of my apartment, my home to go down this. So I was really looking for a very specific solution. It was a physical pain in my physical body. And at that time, I, I went to every kind of practitioner that you could name. I went to massage therapist. I went to the doctor. I went to a sports doctor. A particular individual told me to take a rope and tie some rocks around it and do some kind of quadricep um, motion. It's really change anything so in addition to what I thought was a bit maybe crazy advice or impractical advice there was 
of information or a lot of different approaches that I tried that just didn't, didn't do anything in my body. And I eventually was did in the, in the path of a Pilates studio at that time, Pilates wasn't a household name. It wasn't a brand name. It wasn't really that popular. So I remember walking in and seeing people on these machines with ropes moving around. And, and it was just like a world that I had never really seen, never experienced, didn't really know what it was. And I fell completely in love with it. It, it completely eradicated the injury And of course, at that time, I didn't really know the mechanism for why that occurred. I just knew that it did. And that wasn't really my planned life path at all. But I ended up really having this this intuitive notion that someday I wanted to own a Pilates studio. Finished university, my life progressed onward. I ended up with a career in the media that I chose and that I loved. And it took me another city and I progressed with my life, but always kind of keeping in the back of my mind that I, that I had this goal, this passion and this connection to it. And so I found myself at a crossroads. I was going to move again. I was going to move to New York city in the media. And I kind of dusted off that old passion I started taking Pilates again, still was miraculous in my body. And I happened to, at that point, live in the city with the world's largest global Pilates brand, Stop Pilates. And so I, so I enrolled in the teacher training course. And even at that point, it wasn't really to become or to enter into this as a full-time career. That is clearly what happened, but that began that journey of being curious, discovering, and getting that background in anatomical physics training and knowledge. And from that point forward, it became quite a passion of mine to seek out training and learn more, work on my own body, and then, and then to help others. So subsequently, I have added was a modality called Yamada body rolling. Then I added health coaching, which you referenced in the intro. And at that point, I had quite a well-rounded capacity to be able to help people with strength training, uh, flexibility, their posture, what they're eating. Each training I have subsequently added everything from yin yoga to a more active form of yoga to trauma therapy certification. Etc. Every single one of those has been really targeted to the idea of, I need to know more. There's a problem. I'm feeling something in my body. One of my clients is having an issue. And how do I actually learn the missing tool or the missing piece? How can I do this faster? How can I do this more efficiently? How can I help? How can I add to this, this piece of knowledge? Wow. What a journey. Thank you for sharing that with me, Janice. And um, thank you for sharing with me, like that toolkit that you have, uh, you know, like it's just so varied and there's so many tools in that toolkit. And as you said yourself, like you've been adding to it, kind of like, 
you know, I suppose, you know, like, like I told you earlier on, like I have this passion about learning and adding to my toolkit all the time. So diving deeper into how you mind others. And, you know, like when someone comes to you into my body couture, you know, I know everyone's different and there's different kind of, you know, ailments and complaints. But, you know, when someone comes to you, where do you start off? And, you know, how do you know which tool to use? That is the same. So... I basically have a lot of tools, as you mentioned, and I do have a little diagnostic technique that I've kind of developed on my own. But basically, the first thing I actually do when somebody contacts me to work with me is I have a phone consultation. I'm not the practitioner for everybody. I can't solve every problem on the planet, and I don't want to. So I have a different way of working. I, as I mentioned, I work one-on-one with people. And while that sounds not a unique offering, actually, certainly in the movement space and even in the nutrition space, it actually is because I think we're quite often used where we are all told to do the same thing in lockstep. In my business, I teach one-to-one. So I work with people only in a private setting. And although that like a super unique concept it actually really is so in fitness and in health and in well-being there's quite a few different modalities we're really used to what group teaching looks like so I'm familiar with a lot of different fitness classes and nutrition programs where we enroll as a group or you enroll as a single person and then you're part of a group and everybody kind of goes through the same program in lockstep and then occasionally we might have a private consultation. But the level of individualization is extremely different than what I'm offering to clients. So I always have a phone consultation before I start because the methodology that I'm working with is extremely different from start to finish. It's, it's different in the same way that a book of one genre, like a mystery book, is going to be completely fiction book. And that's kind of how I would how I would describe it. So it's still a book, but the contents of the book are going to look really. So over the years, I've developed a little bit of a structure so that it's not completely ad hoc. But basically, when a client contacts me, first thing I'm going to do is get on the phone with them to make sure that we're a mutual fit. So I can't work with everybody and with me, but I always talk to them first to see if we're a philosophical fit and if the issues that they're having are something that I can I really put my name on the result that I'm getting um, or that I'm helping facilitate for somebody so I want to make sure that somebody's really getting value for their money and that I'm the right practitioner so if I can't work with that particular condition or issue I, I will be more than happy to from there, when they come in, if their primary complaint is physical, I have a, a little series of exercises that I everybody start with. It gives us a really good sense of how their body is moving, how they're transferring load through their body, and perhaps what some of the issues might be. Now, within that, the most important thing that is happening is I, as a practitioner, am dialoguing with that client. So I they feel. I'm feeding them back observations and asking them, them if they can feel or notice what I'm saying. Most importantly, them if they agree with that. So I'm not in the business of being quote unquote right. What I want to do is 
information source for myself to see if what I'm seeing or observing or thinking actually matches their so right from the outset, we're really working on something that is quite tangible, quite physical, but we're also working on the, that interoception. How does that person relate to their body? What do they notice? What level of detail do they have? How can they verbalize it? Experience inside their own body is. From there, I'm using that information to, to come up with a program. So as you mentioned, a whole bunch of different tools. Some of them are physical, some of them are emotional, and I believe that we are going to talk about those moments, but I'm kind of developing the plan as we go. And then from there, I'm going to, we're going to try an exercise and see if it's effective in that person's body. And effective to me means they can notice a difference versus after. So if they notice nothing... There is more dialogue. It could be a body. But more than likely, it's going to be that technique or that exercise isn't for them. So that doesn't happen a lot, to be quite honest. We work with each individual exercise, each individual tool, each individual piece as a, was this effect? Did it change anything? And we kind of go from there. And a lot of the work that I'm doing is really facilitating a self. So we are going through exercises. We are using tools. We are using kind of concrete things that the person can work on that. I'm always going to explain all of the back knowledge that I have. So I'm going to take all those teacher trainings and all of the years of experience that I have and then boil that down so that the person gets a bit of knowledge about their anatomy and about their muscles and about the different sensations and they take that with them so I have described it in the past as you go to school from kindergarten to grade 12 you get a certain set of education usually not a lot of education about your body your body sensations your emotions and how you're relating to all of that so often that kind of underlying education that you never got in school so it's a body mind education system that when you leave my practice whether you've come for three sessions or 300 sessions that information belongs to you body completely independent of me so that's one of my goals is to give people a really condensed version of trainings and all of that education and all of that all of that experience that I've compiled so that they can really get and then take away some really tangible tools for themselves. I love that, Janice, because yeah, like you're, you know, you're sharing that, like again, that kind of, you know, that amazing toolkit that you have, but you're able to kind of distill that down and to kind of, you know, kind of not dilute it, but like, you know, like you're able to take the tools that are relevant for the person and you're, 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 you're handing them those tools. So, you know, they can go home because I've done yoga and Pilates myself. And, you know, a, a lot of people feel that, you know, they can't do yoga or Pilates unless they're going to someone, unless they're going to a studio or, a, you know, a teacher. And I suppose like the key to this is to be able to do it at home. It is have a very high I'm going to use a non-perfect word but really a high compliance rate in terms of homework so I'm actually always assigning 
to do in between the sessions and people do it because I'm explaining why we're doing it. It's not just a series of exercises, you know, let's do 12 of these and let's turn on some music to distract ourselves. There's a reason why we're doing it and because I go through it and explain why we're doing it explain why it's helpful for that person's body they go home and they do it um so pilates and yoga are what i would bucket as functional exercises therapeutic exercises so we're all gonna have to do some stuff that maybe isn't isn't our favorite but if if it's helping move the needle on pain or mobility or flexibility or strength or another goal that you have most people are gonna actually grab that and do it at home and they're going to notice a difference between what happens in their own home environment doing it with someone else some people prefer to do it at home some people will always enjoy going to a class or a studio but it really gives that under why we're doing it what is the function where where should you feel it what are some of the sensations that we're looking to experience that it completely changes the idea of what exercise is for most people yeah and it's also kind of giving the, the client ownership over their body and over their toolkit because they know that they can go home and apply those tools and and feel yes. the benefits again because like I, when i hear people talking about you know uh, now look at you know, going to Pilates, yoga studios, that's cool. But if you're not doing it at home, you know, it, it almost takes the kind of, you know, a, a lot of benefits out of that because you're missing out on, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of flexing that muscle, you know, in, in a place other than the studio, other than the, the, the classroom. And you're kind of, you know, you're missing out on kind of sowing the seeds for, you know, like for the future and like maybe kind of creating a kind of a, a habit, a daily habit or, a, you know, a habit every couple of days to, to do it, you know, at home or, you know, on the beach or whatever, like, you know, like, you know, so like it's, you're, you're they're going to have ownership over it. Absolutely. So a couple comments there. One, I would say I am a really big proponent of belonging to the person who owns the body. So I yeah. don't own that person's body. And what I'm here to do I see my role as educator as opposed to a teacher, instructor, coach, things like that. So, I mean, we use a lot of those words in, in the health, but at the end of the day, that agency really has to be in that person. And I tell this to all of my clients, but we, we all have eight hours a week. If they're working with me for one hour a week, that's 167 hours that belong to them. So if they, translate the the philosophies and the concepts and the education that we have learned together then that's actually a feeling <laughs> I haven't broken it down enough I haven't touched that passion point I haven't explained it in a way that they can integrate it and of course that doesn't necessarily happen people can move the needle tremendously on that in just three weeks I have a lot of people that come back and say oh you know I just I notice when I'm walking I'm more aware of some of the things that you said or I I feel sore in places that I can't imagine just from doing my day-to-day activities. That's the wheelhouse of success to me is when we're taking those concepts and we're, we're cross-discipline applying them. Sitting here right now talking to you, quote unquote, doing Pilates because it's a, it's a movement technique. It's a, it's, it's not a series of choreography. So 
I'm not yeah. focused as much on the choreography as I am what functional movement and health actually looks like in people's bodies. And, and what I would say with that is like function isn't pain. It isn't, isn't all of those things. So first and foremost, the person has to feel that they can actually get out of that pain and have the freedom that they can enjoy the movement. Absolutely. And again, always integrating, you know, like I kind of, I, you know, like I know people, let's say, um, have doing Pilates and it might be about maybe like if, if they need to kind of have, a, let's say, a, a better posture or a straighter posture, when, mm-hmm. you know, and like, again, like you, you can bring that into your daily life, you know, in work or in, you know, kind of, kind of, let's say, you know, like kind of walking around the house, you can kind of start to, you know, that kind that of, um, you know, the, that kind of, you know, like the idea of having a kind of a balloon at the top of your head, like, and kind of having that kind of, you know, kind of like just a, a better posture for your breathing, for, for movement. So again, it's kind of integrating it into your daily life. And that old kind of that gold nugget that we use in coaching, um, habit stacking, that you yes. know, the more, the more you do it, the more, you know, the, the easier it comes to you. And then I, I think every health practitioner dreams of this. Our goal at the end of it is often that it is a, a rolling snowball of positivity. So if somebody yes. comes to me because their back hurts and we can reduce or eliminate that pain for them, then they can walk more. Then they can play with their family members or do sports more and whatever their passion in life is. I often ask my clients, what is it that you're looking for? Range everywhere from play with my grandchildren to travel, to getting off a plane without pain, to just getting through the day without my back hurting. So I think that it's taking the whole fitness model and kind of turning on it on its side because it's ultimately trusting people don't want to be sedentary. People don't want to just sit on the couch and and watch television people want to get out there and live their lives so Mm. giving the tools and the agency to say hey if we could just move the needle slightly give you a little bit more strength give you maybe better posture that's going to your confidence if we could take you out of pain what could you do with that just as part of that rolling snowball and it's not are you doing seven days a week of pilates it's about giving you that organic lifestyle back and you can do it where you want. I have, you know, I have people that literally have Olympic medals and I've got people that simply want to fall down when they are walking down the sidewalk. So there's a whole range of things that people want and it's absolutely, but it's just like, you know, trust that when people feel good and they feel energetic and they are not in pain and their mind and their body are balanced and they have that kind of those self-adjusting tools that they're going to use that and make the best of their their life and that doesn't like I said that doesn't mean necessarily doing Pilates every day or yoga every day it might but it also might using my techniques as tools for a pathway, not as I call myself discipline agnostic or which technique or which certification I'm drawing from, because that's not the end goal for me. The end goal for me is I, I want this person to live the life that they want to, that they've expressed 
and that they have the knowledge and education and agency to be able to accomplish that for themselves. Absolutely. I love that, Janice. I love it. And again, you know, like, I have, I'm a big fan of that holistic approach and, you know, despite having lots of tools in the old toolkit, you know, like to not kind of, you know, like kind of be too caught up on which tool, but I suppose it's only when you have lots of tools that you can kind of, you know, really kind of be comfortable with just kind of trusting your own gut and being intuitive and knowing which tool to to kind of you know to, to pick up even though you know you're not thinking about it too much but you know like the fact that you have that um choice of tools which is brilliant and again which benefits so many people and again that whole holistic kind of mind body spirit like the ripple effect of that out into people's families communities like is massive absolutely and i think mind body and run with that a little bit if i may I think that aren't quite doing enough culturally in terms of real mind body integration. So I have all of those fitness modalities. And so far this conversation has really, has really centered around those, but I also have three different mental health modalities in my toolkit. And those are often used more subtly, I would say. But what I noticed years ago when I first opened my studio was that as we start to work through the body, particularly has physical pain, that releasing that would result quite often because I am a one-to-one practitioner, one-to-one in the space, that the conversation coming out of that person's mouth would often turn to hardships and traumas. So people would tell me about their different or very present moment divorces and financial hardships and lots of challenges with the job, families or children, things like that. But then I would also start to hear stories about really challenging that person's past. So an example that really jumps to mind that I heard quite repetitively was, was sexual assault, different hardships like that, that had happened in the person's past. And this sentence is going to be obvious, but really I was like, wow, when we release pain out of the body, there's a lot of emotional pain that comes out of it. Mm. And 10 years ago, I had no idea what to do with that. So Mm -hmm. I remember going to a therapist from my business and saying, what do I do with this? Do I put crystals in my bra? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And start burning more sage. Totally. And I was like, wow, it was, it was honestly like it was exhausting. And I, and I recognized that it was really important for that person to have that space and to be heard and to have that capacity to speak. But I also recognized what an honor and a privilege and how, how I needed to be able to manage that information. I went on a deep dive of who is doing this work, who's doing the mind body work and over and looping back to, well, there's yoga But in a group space, 
people aren't sharing their sexual assault histories Mm. wasn't quite deep enough for what I was looking for. And I eventually landed on luckily. And I, I discovered a man named Gabor Mate and he, within weeks of me kind of books, but I started really reading more and looking into him a little bit more. And luckily within weeks of that, he actually was, coming to a city that was an hour from where I live so I went to see him sat in the audience when the when the station was over I went up to him and I told him what I was working on and I asked you know who are the people in place where really we are addressing that emotion for for body workers or for people who are kind of and he at that time said, well, I'm not aware of anybody, but you're certainly welcome to come and train with me. And that's what I did. So um, I was lucky to meet the right person at the right time. And it mm. to my practice because those conversations were already organically arising. But now I have a skill toolkit to address them and to know that I'm actually giving that person the space and the attunement and and the compassion and managing it in an appropriate way. And in fact, really moving that person through a very subtle trauma therapy component and very few, if any people come to my business that work, but I've noticed that since adding that plus a couple of other trauma modalities that I've subsequently added that more and more people that tell me, you know, I'm, I'm becoming a client because I know that that piece is there and that I always have that place to talk that this hardship that I'm currently going through will be managed appropriately. Absolutely. And well, you know, you know, Bessel van der Kock, you know, his book, yes. The Body Keeps Score. Yes. And I suppose so, there you go, like people coming for all oh, my shoulder, my back, my knee, my leg, you know, my neck, with, uh, you know, like, and look at like the, the, the majority of those pains and aches are from, well, you know, like there's a potential that they're from, you know, um, childhood and you know stress yeah. stress mainly um, like like you know yourself like you know lower back pain like up to 90 percent is stress you know like yeah. not up to 90 percent over 90 percent of any gp visit is is stress you know they're mm-hmm. saying um up to up to 90 percent of any mental illness is childhood trauma so you know like there's a huge you know there's a, it's all linked it, there's a huge connection between again it's that mind body connection that you know like a, a, a you know like a sore back a sore shoulder usually there's more to it than that and but I, I suppose for, for the fact that you've trained with Gabor Mate like as you said you, you were able to provide provide a safer space when you know those emotions do kind of come out it's almost like you know way um and an, an ice cube starts to defrost and melt yeah like that's yeah. th- those pains can be carried for years and you know when when the physical side when when the, you know the stretching and the pilates and the yoga when that starts to come in to kind of you know to melt that ice cube that's where the emotions come out isn't it absolutely and i i think that a lot of us really forget 
trust enough, but we're, we're animals. We are animals. And so what happens when we are under stress and there's a threat is no different than what actually happens to a dog or a cat or a deer or any other kind of animal. So when we're observing framing in the form of a cat or dog, because that's the animal that most people are most familiar with in terms of watching that happen today, but you can see the dog's ears perk up. There's that little bit of body tension. A cat will arch its back or maybe hiss. So there's that body tension starts to run. You can see the dog tensing up before it runs. Our bodies work the same way. So we may not be but when we have a negative interaction with our boss or a friend or a spouse or a stranger, you might feel that you might feel a body sensation. And that's part of what Gabor's work actually does focus on is that somatic of what sensations are you experiencing at the present moment? Can you put words to it? So it actually, it's the mental of the body work that I'm doing and so it's quite a beautiful blend because we're working on that bond that I just described with the animals that does create tightness. It does create your fascial system pulling everything tight. It creates joint tension and it can create long-term pain. And so that's not to say that every pain that we experience is from trauma or stress, mm-hmm. but you gave some very compelling statistics. It, often actually is so in my studio that's also a bit of that it's very client-led so I'm not I'm not opening my studio door and saying come on commas but when it arises and when the conversation flows there we let it go there and then we we manage there's organic exactly and there's a process of what does that feel like where are you experiencing quite often the root of understanding that people have and that's another piece that people then take away start to notice oh when I feel that in my stomach that's more than just just a a fleeting sensation that's my body saying no that's my preparing to run I'm under stress I need to do some extra self-care maybe I need some extra sleep maybe I need to do some exercise maybe I need to away from this situation Mm -hmm. um so it it's working on both unwinding those active traumas, but we're really as a as the as the tool. So it's it's quite a different process for people than sitting in a therapist's office. They can tell me as much or as little as they want to. We're really working with. I love that you brought up Bessel's work because we're really working with what the what score the body has kept and how yeah. that's actually translated into the body. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I love it. And again, I just love that, you know, the um, just those tools that you've built up. And again, the, the fact that they help so many people in, in so many different ways. And can you tell me now how you mind you? Yes. <laughs> I actually get this question a lot. And so I would recommend clients. Um, what I do has shifted over the years and it depends on on what, I'm in my current environment. So as I don't need to tell any of the audience, but three years ago, global pandemic, and that was quite stressful. 
it was stressful financially. It was stressful from a family standpoint. It was stressful so that, you know, that the stay at home orders were, were not good for kind of my body, etc. So it was, and then I was in a support role for a lot of people. So I have quite a bit of stress and I actually experienced some burnout. Um, so the self-care tools that I'm doing right now are quite soft and gentle and they're dedicated towards rebalancing my nervous system. So what I'm about to share is necessarily what I'm going to be doing two years from now or what I did five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so each morning I do a 45 minute yoga and I choose to do that in community. So I have two other people that we meet on Zoom every morning at 6 we chit chat, we share what's happening in our life. It's a lot of that kind of emotional expression that I just shared. And then at the same time, we're doing yin. I'm facilitating it, but it's less like a class and more like a community practice. Then I um, make the 10,000 step daily walk outside. So in order for that to not be punitive for me, um, I do a couple things with that. One is it's not necessarily 10,000 steps all at one. So some days I only feel like doing a couple of short hauls. Some days I do longer walks. Um, and then all I live in Canada where it can be very cold and or rainy or different weather extremes. The case, um, I do Pilates in my studio with my machine, and then so for the winter, I will shift to more of a Pilates-oriented routine and to get out and look at the look at the beautiful flowers and the trees and listen to some podcasts, etc. Um, then, on standpoint, um, I effort towards eating a whole foods diet, and so within my home. There's very few processed foods. Um, I will indulge in some treats if I'm at a restaurant. I do a plant-based diet. Um, and then I take supplements. I take, um, I've lost the word, <laughs> um, electrolytes. And I take um, a supplement called Hardy Nutritionals, which is a nutraceutical for the brain. So it's really focused on, on brain health. Um, and it's, it's got a lot of clinical research behind it and it's recommended by mental health doctors and physical health doctors. So it's, it's more than a vitamin. It's really meant to lift people into, um, out of depression, anxiety, burnout, all of that stuff. So it's really feed nutrients it needs to do that. Um, and then on an emotional level, um, I am very much practicing what I preach. I do um, trauma therapy myself. Uh, so that kind of ranges. I do anywhere between one more sessions per month. I have a mental health doctor who's an MD, but also specializes in kind of the mental health arena making sure that just like exercise, I kind of have that habit in place and it's preventative. So I'm not letting it build up until I'm freaking out, having trauma responses. I just have those appointments booked. So each, each time I kind of get off the call, we've somewhere between three and five weeks from there. And then 
it's just, it doesn't matter what kind of season of life I'm in. So I really focus on the mental health arena, just as much as my physical health, just as much as my nutrition. Wow. Thank you for sharing that with me, Janice. Uh, and you're definitely walking your talk. So yeah. thank you for sharing those kind of ways that you self-care and mind you. And where can people find you? My website is My Body Couture. Y B O D Y C O U T U R E. And then I have Facebook and Instagram pages. So I would recommend if you're curious about my work and don't necessarily want to engage, just check out my website. You'll get a pretty good idea of my philosophy and a little bit of my background and story. If you're wanting to, Line, engage, ask questions. If you're interested in becoming a client, um, etc., you can go onto one of the social media pages, and certainly I respond to everybody who reaches out. So if you want to send me a, a direct message of any kind, including in a comment, etc., I'm more than happy to respond to you, engage with you, and have you as part of my community. Cool. Well, look, I will put a link to your website onto this podcast. And Janice, again, thank you so much for being so kind and generous today and for sharing with me the journey to hear your, you know, your amazing work and how, you know, how you use that toolkit to help so many people and how you mind you and best of luck with everything that you do in the future. Thank you so much. so much for listening to mind you and i hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care please like subscribe and follow mind you podcast wherever you listen to it and please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world you can find me and mind you at brianbarneswellbeing.com